Hello, everyone. I'm Blaine Gilmer. Welcome to the SEC Morning Report. It is Wednesday, September 27th. We are inching closer and closer to week five of SEC football action. And here on Southeastern 14, of course, we give you daily SEC coverage. So we're going to be talking about all those matchups, and it is winning Wednesday. What does it take for each of these teams to win? What would a win mean for each of these teams? And you know they're 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 hungry for it, guys. They're ready to ready to eat this weekend. And if you're ready to eat, you need to make sure that you get some chomps. Okay, check out Chomps, our show partner, in the description. You can get you a fifteen percent off discount code. Uh, check that out. Of course, delicious. Delicious snacks, nutritious as well. Uh, got lots of protein in there. You can get venison. You can get beef. You can get turkey. All different flavors. So check them out. And if you want to be a partner with us on the show, check out uh, caroline.smith at southeastern14. That's her email. You can reach out to her, and she will help you decide to be a MVP with us here and advertise on Southeastern 14, growing like crazy over here at the network. So. Let's talk about these matchups. Of course, at 12 o'clock, we're going to have right off the bat, noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. You got the Southwest Classic in Jerry's World. This one is always, always a entertaining game. Uh, six out of the last 10 of these matchups have been decided by single digits. It's been kind of a crazy bounce of ball type game the last few years, and you know, really the tail of the tail in this one is injuries, okay? So who's going to overcome key injuries best? Arkansas has been playing for a few weeks now without their talented running back, Rocket Sanders, and Texas A&M is likely going to be without their starting quarterback, Connor Wegman, and Max Johnson is going to play in a game that he was injured in last year. He ended up breaking his thumb in this matchup last year against the Aggies, and, you know, he came in and played tremendously well. Uh, Max Johnson, when his number was called, he was ready to go against Auburn and really came in and lit it up, went seven for 11, uh, 120-something yards, had a, had a couple touchdowns on the day, no picks, uh, just ran the offense efficiently, ended up hitting his brother for a touchdown pass, so that's a cool moment for their parents over there, Max Johnson to Jake Johnson, the tight end, and Jake is really kind of taking a, a larger role this year with Donovan Green being out with that knee injury. So that's something, you know, Texas A&M fans like to see. But what would this win mean for each of these fan bases? And guys in the chat, you know, I know Chris is in the chat. I know we got some Arkansas fans in the chat. You need to hop in here and, uh, you know, tell us as we're going here. But what would this mean for each fan base? Well, for Jimbo Fisher, it would mean, hey, this is this is happening like like finally finally we're able to win games that quite honestly they should win they should win this game right, no disrespect to Arkansas but Texas A&M is the more talented team okay they have they have more talent up front on both sides of the ball they have more talented weapons at at receiver on offense uh, also at tight end I know now Noah Luke has is doing a tremendous job and of course he had a had a breakout game against LSU so he's a guy that they're definitely going to have to uh keep an eye on in that Texas A&M defense and Texas A&M secondary has had problems this year but what this means is 
Texas A&M would be finally maturing into the team that, hey, you're supposed to win this game. You're favored to win this game. You're more talented. You need to come in and take care of business and start because that's the standard for elite teams, right? Doing what you're supposed to do. And they're trying to get into that elite category with the Georgias, with the Alabamas. LSU is what I call a fringe elite team because sometimes they show up and one side of the ball does what they're supposed to do and the other side doesn't so far. And they, yeah, they made it to the SEC championship game last year. Yeah, I know about 2019 with Joe Burrow and them, but LSU has been very inconsistent. Even sometimes within good years for them, they've been very inconsistent and they've been inconsistent year to year as a program who is in there year in year out knocking on the door for national championships that's where texas a&m believes they should be and a win like this would mean hey you're getting on the track right there because arkansas is a good football team i don't care that they i don't care that they lost to to byu i don't care that they lost to lsu they could have easily won both of those games and be sitting undefeated right now but they've shot themselves in the foot way too many penalties Way too many unforced errors when it comes to this team. They have to just play within the confines of what Dan Enos and Travis Williams have structured for this team as the offensive and defensive coordinator. I love what they're doing defensively. Listen, anybody is going to give up yards and points to LSU. They just are. Malik Neighbors is different now. I'm telling you, he's different. Brian Thomas made some plays. Jaden Daniels has grown into a really, really good college quarterback. But I think this Arkansas team is improved, actually, from last year. Uh, whether you the record says it or not, I think they're improved. I like their aggressiveness on defense. I like how they uh, are starting to make plays on the outside. Now, a lot of that has to do with LSU secondary being straight hot dog water right now. It is awful. But I will tell you this, that does a lot for your confidence when you've got guys like Andrew Armstrong making plays, when you've got guys like Luke Highs making plays, when you've got those running backs now that are kind of settling in a little bit, uh, A.J. Green, Rashad DeBinion, people like that. Will Rocket Sanders play? If Rocket Sanders plays, even if he can just play in a limited amount, some carries, stuff like that, that's going to give a morale boost to this team. And it also just changes – your perspective of your Texas A&M uh, defensively. Do you feel like, hey, I see Rocket Sanders in there. I don't know if he's 100% or not, but I've got to commit an extra hat to the box. And does that allow Isaac Tesla or Isaiah Tegna, or does it allow Andrew Armstrong, those guys on the outside, Luke has to get a one-on-one -on -one matchup and allow KJ to hit him for a pivotal point in pivotal play in that game. Of course, when you're talking about Arkansas, always got to be – you know, worried about the quarterback run with KJ. But what it would mean for Arkansas, what this win would mean for them is that, hey, Sam Pittman is at right guy. Okay, there's starting to be some questions about it. But these guys play hard for Sam Pittman. Now, the discipline is an issue. Sam's got to get that discipline, uh, you know, under, under control a little bit, get this team to be, not make it errors that are going to embarrass they inflict upon themselves, that's a problem, okay? And the offensive line play has not been up to the standard of Sam Pittman. He knows that. Nobody knows that more than Sam Pittman as a former offensive line coach. But all these people talking about is Sam Pittman the guy and stuff like that, this would just put an end to all that nonsense. Um, and it's only disgruntled fans that are saying that anyways about stuff because Sam Pittman is not only 
a great fit for the Arkansas program in terms of football-wise. He's a great fit as a man. Go back yesterday and listen to our morning report and, and um, how he's talking about mental health of these players and caring for these players um, and, you know, trying to navigate them through the the – the ills of life now with in modern technology with social media and everything they have to deal with and the pressures and stuff like that. And, and the bond that he's created with players uh, for years now, whether it's guys from, from Georgia that he had that have gone on to the, to the NFL, all this kind of stuff. Uh, guys there at Arkansas, people that aren't even football players at Arkansas commenting on social media yesterday, when that video went viral of him talking, saying how great of a man Sam Pittman is. So, it's going to mean just calming the waters if you win this game at Arkansas. And it also means that you can still have a very special season at Arkansas. Everything's still out in front of you. You got one conference loss, one conference loss. That's it. Go out, win this game. And now all of a sudden, just like I put out in that video a few weeks ago, Arkansas looks to be a contender again. Texas A&M, it would be a devastating loss for, for them and would mean that, hey, Jimbo Fisher does not have this thing where he thought he did in terms of this team's maturity and in terms of this team's ability to execute um, and this ability, this team's ability to handle adversity. Because they do have a little adversity with Connor Wingman being out, but they're prepared for it with the talent and depth behind him because Max Johnson is not your average backup with 4,600 yards, 42 touchdowns, seven interceptions in his career. I mean, that is, that is not your average backup. So that's, that's what this matchup would mean. To both of these programs it is huge it is going to get the day going and i am super excited to watch it now florida traveling to kentucky do you realize that kentucky has beaten florida the last two years and the last time that kentucky beat florida three times in a row 1948 to 1951 and you know who the head coach of the wildcats was back then it was Bear Bryant, the guy that Mark Stoops just passed last year to be the all-time winningest head coach of the Kentucky Wildcats program. What this win would mean for Kentucky is that no longer are you looked at as, hey, the basketball school that just happens to have a good football team every now and then. No, no, no. This means that you will have solidly surpassed Florida in the hierarchy of the SEC in football. You will own them. You will have beat them three years in a row. So, Kentucky, it's time. It's time for you to step up. You have them at home. You have them at Kroger Field. Early kickoff. Mark Stoop says he has full confidence in you guys to get up and pound some beers. So, just take down some brewskis and get ready for a big matchup in Lexington, the way they're going to have to win this football game. And it really, this is like two teams looking in the mirror, Florida and Kentucky, both want to run the football and play really aggressive on defense. I mean, they, they really, really do. And whoever runs the football better and helps their quarterback, their transfer quarterbacks with a lot of history behind them that have played, uh, honestly, at varying levels, each both this year and also in their past, I think that is going to be the secret of this ball game. Who can run it? And who, who's, going to be, who's going to be prepared to stop the run? Uh, you know, you've got Florida that overall has the fifth best 
defense when it comes to yards per game. They're number one in the SEC in that metric, and they have the 17th best scoring defense in the entire country, giving up 13.5 points per game. Right there tied with Alabama. Georgia's number one in the league with 11.3. Kentucky has scored 28 points in each of its first four games. That is the first time that Kentucky has done done so since 2007. So for all the Kentucky fans out there saying, oh, Devin Leary's not playing how we thought. He's turning the ball over too much. Guess what Mark Stoops has built this team into? He's built this team into an offense and defense and special teams that is complementary enough to each other that they are putting up points. I don't care how they're doing. They're putting up points, 28 points in the first four games. That's the first time Kentucky has done that since 2007. Okay, Kentucky, even with Will, with Will Levis last year, who many thought was going to be a first-round pick before he slipped into the second round. Guys, many people thought that offense was just going to explode, and they, they had times where they had lapses and they just didn't score in games. The offensive line could possibly get Kenneth Horsey back. So what this would mean for Kentucky is taking a step up in the SEC hierarchy of football. It would mean making good on the promise that Mark Stoops has been telling. Because when he recruited Devin Leary, when he's recruited some of these guys in, in the transfer portal, he said, hey, we are just one guy away from becoming a team that can compete year in and year out in the SEC here. And Florida, even with all their shortcomings right now, not the the Florida roster of old, it is still, if Kentucky beats them three years in a row, it is a shift, a paradigm shift here in the SEC where Kentucky will now own this. What is a rivalry? I know Florida fans want to say, it's not a rivalry. They won 31 years in a row. Yeah, but in the last five years, Kentucky's won three of them, and they've won two straight. So, that's what it would mean for Kentucky. For Florida, it would mean that Billy Napier is ahead of schedule. I said going into this year, if Billy Napier finds a way to win eight games, he should be the national coach of the year because I don't think Florida has got nearly the amount of talent on the outside that they need to compete. They've got young guys in Eugene Wilson. He's banged up with a collarbone right now, one of their best playmakers. Ricky Pearsall is playing just absolutely out of his mind. Okay, but he's going to have a tough test with Andrew Phillips and Maxwell Hairston on the other side. Maxwell Hairston just, you know, he's looking like the best corner in college football right now. Took two tutties to the house against against Vanderbilt, picked the ball off. He's got three picks on the year. But Andrew Phillips, when you talk about, uh, you know, how how he's how he's being able to perform, he's a veteran there and he's. He's right there behind Maxwell Hairston and, and how it, how he's performing. So they got two really solid corners on that Kentucky secondary. It's going to really challenge Florida to be able to win one-on-one matchups on the outside. You know that Kentucky run defense is going to be sound. They have not allowed a 100-yard rushing in a game this year. I don't care who you're playing. I don't care who it is against. When you do not allow a team to rush for 100 yards, you are playing defense at an elite level in terms of your gap responsibilities in the run game. Mark Stoop is going to have a sound defense. They're allowing 15.5 points a game. That's 21st in the country, and they do not allow teams to run the football on them, plain and simple, and that is what – Trevor Etienne and the Florida Gators are going to want to do with that that gap scheme that they have. They also vary up their run scheme, their their zone schemes 
pretty well as well, having split zone, uh, also, you know, full zone, zone bluff, all these different kind of things that they that they throw at you. Billy Napier does a good job of creating angles in the run game and trying to force people to misfit gaps. He does a really good job with that. Big question for Florida's run game, will they have Kinsley Aguacan there? Uh, he is kind of the heart and soul, makes that that offense role, but Trevor Etienne, you know, which one are we going to see out of him and Montreal Johnson? Are we going to see the, the version versus Tennessee where he had, you know, 172 yards rushing on 23 carries, or are we going to see the version of, of Etienne and Johnson against Utah that got that offensive line got physically dominated up front and they combined for 10 carries for 31 yards. I think it'll be, Somewhere in the middle, uh, I don't think they'll dominate Kentucky running the football. If they do, then it's over with. It's curtains. Whoever runs the football better in this game is going to win. This is going to be a a field position, uh, ball possession. Who runs the football better game early on in Lexington? And what it would mean for Florida, it would mean that Billy Napier has things ahead of schedule and that he is going to have even more momentum on the recruiting trail for a really good class that he has right now leading into a 2024 season with just an absolutely murderous schedule and could possibly, possibly be inching closer to getting Florida back to where it needs to be. It would also mean that Florida is a real threat in the east and, and you know that game in jacksonville you never know what's happened because they will have beaten tennessee and they will have beaten they will have beaten kentucky two things that they did not do in the previous years there so hey it's a it's a high stakes game for both of these teams georgia and auburn there's been so much talk between uh you know whether it's hugh freeze talking about how fast Kirby did or didn't get things turned around uh, at Georgia, what the expectations should be at Auburn by the fan base and people like that, and and it where this roster's at for Auburn. Should should there be – is this a, a, a hate rivalry? Do people, you know, hate each other in this rivalry? All this kind of nonsense. But what it's going to come down to is when it's 3.30 on the plains in Auburn, you have a much, much more talented Georgia team taking on an Auburn team that is searching for an identity offensively. Okay, what this would mean for Georgia, this doesn't mean anything for Georgia in terms of, you know, you should win the football game and you should win it comfortably. It was 16 and a half. Uh, as you see, when I put this graphic up originally, made this a couple of days ago, now it's dropped down to 14 and a half. Is that just being, you know, on the road, things like that? I could think you could see some movement the other way because it certainly is sounding from Kirby Smart like you're going to get Michael Williams and Javon Bullard back on defense. And you're probably going to get Kendall Milton and Lad McConkey back on offense. And Lad McConkey has not played this year. Georgia's best receiver, and Georgia is averaging 500 yards per game. Yes, Georgia has started slow, particularly in that South Carolina game, was very slow. But I think we've seen now that Spencer Rattler is playing as good as any quarterback in the country, okay, particularly with what he has around him. Now, Xavier Leggett. Is a is a stud. He's at six foot three, two hundred and twenty seven pound Learjet. It's just splitting his way through defenses. He is a stud, but still, Georgia showed resolve. They came back. They they turned. They were able to step on the gas pedal when they needed to. 
Georgia, you got to realize, has lost 26 guys to the NFL draft in the last two years. That is a record by far. Nobody has ever done done that. Okay, they they set a single record. 15 guys alone in the 2022 NFL draft after that 2021 football season. And in these matchups, understand that Auburn is going to have some success early. I was there covering the game on the sideline, watched Bo Nix with Mike Bobo as as his offensive coordinator under Brian Harson march right down the field, score a touchdown that was called back because of a penalty, end up kicking a field goal against Georgia in that game at Auburn because it's Jordan Hare. Auburn's fans are great. They make a lot of noise. Okay. And when you're gonna they're gonna be able to to do some things in this game. They practice too, okay? Now the problem for Auburn is that in the last five power five games dating back to last year, they have not had a quarterback throw for a hundred yards. They have abysmal quarterback play against Cal it was 94 yards um, against Texas A&M. It was 56 yards. I mean, it is ridiculous. The lack of production that Auburn has when it comes to passing the football. I mean, it's pathetic. It is absolutely pathetic. So right now, if you're Georgia, what does Georgia do better than anybody in the country? They take away the running game. Okay. You are not going to be able to create running lanes unless you do some misdirection and things like that. Uh, catch them off guard every once in a while. But Georgia is elite at stopping the run, particularly when they have Javon Bullard and Mike Williams back because Javon Bullard plays, uh, you know, he can play the star position, he plays the safety position, he helps fit and force the run. And then, of course, Mike Williams at that jack or defensive end, whichever one he's playing, depending on what front. They are in uh, Jamon Dumas Johnson and Smile Munden, elite at linebacker position, and of course they've got um, they've got talented guys everywhere else, four and five star guys everywhere else. So what this means for Georgia is that are you meeting the Georgia standard? Plain and simple, back to back national champions, twenty six guys gone to the NFL in the last two years, new guys in some of those roles. Are you meeting the standard? Are you getting up to where Georgia knows they should be and how they play a football game? That is it. That is what this means, okay? Nothing more, nothing less. Are you elite like you are supposed to be elite? Is the talent there? Nobody's going to make any excuses for Georgia. We know the talent's there. Is the execution there? That is what this means for Georgia. What this would mean for Auburn, if Auburn were to shock the world and win this game, this would mean that Hugh Freeze is about to become an absolute menace in recruiting. He's already flipped two guys from Georgia. Okay, They've got another guy they're bringing in uh, that is from Moultrie, Georgia, Nikar, who just decommitted from Georgia. He's going to be at this game for Auburn as a recruit. Okay. They've flipped a guy, a big receiver, five-star receiver from Alabama already in this recruiting cycle. Hugh Freeze has the Auburn recruiting machine up and rolling, and this would just throw gasoline on the fire, okay? This is all about showing that you, your vision as a staff can, can work and not only making these current players on the team believe and buy in even more, but it's going to make recruits around the country buy in even more if they are just competitive in this game. If it's a one-score game in the fourth quarter and Auburn's got a chance with the ball, then every eye in the country is going to be glued on CBS 
trying to see, hey, one are the mighty Bulldogs going to fall down? Can Auburn and Hugh Freeze pull this thing off? I do not see how they they find enough offense or enough they magically start playing better at quarterback uh, against what is probably the best defense in the entire country. I mean, got all three All American potential guys in the secondary. Uh, got an all couple All American potential guys up front in that front seven. It's just a tall task for Peyton Thorne and Robbie Ashford when they have not been playing very well. Uh, they've got Demari Austin, who I think is their most consistent back out with a shoulder injury on the secondary. They've got a couple injuries, a couple guys banged up. Uh, you know, their starting linebacker Austin Keys went out with a thumb injury. So that's what it would mean for both sides what it's going to take for Auburn is going to be take being able to uh maybe maybe some trick plays maybe dialing up some play some things early they're going to scheme up give Georgia problems Hugh Freeze is as good as anybody and being able to capitalize on those when you have them hitting hitting some open guys when you have those opportunities and then they're going to have to force some turnovers they do they do uh force a lot of uh turnovers Auburn does they've forced eight uh, on the year, you can see that they're they're working on you know punching that punching that ball out. It's a concerted effort. It's not just something that happens. They work on that uh, to be able to try to do it. So Auburn's going to have to to force turnovers. Georgia just they'll win. if they play clean, they'll win this game. Okay, if they play clean. They handle the crowd noise early uh, and and prevent Auburn from getting some kind of surge early because of that crowd noise and and capitalizing on it. Don't have a whole lot of penalties then Georgia will win this football game and win it easily. But that's what it would mean for both teams, and that's how they would go about doing it. Now, LSU at Ole Miss, okay? For the Tigers, this would mean taking care of business, okay? Because they view themselves now after getting to the SEC you know, championship game last year, winning the West, taking down Alabama, they view themselves as a top-tier team. They have a top-tier uh, team, you know, when it comes to offensive weapons, to quarterback play, that Logan Diggs is playing really good at running back. The secondary has been straight hot dog water, as I said earlier. They've been awful, okay, on the defensive side of the ball in terms of that secondary. I know they brought in a lot of a lot of transfers. I know that they're they're piecing things together over there on that end, but it is – atrocious and is going to prevent them from playing at an elite level in terms of closing out games if they cannot do this. Now, another thing you need to know about this LSU about this LSU uh, secondary and about the passing defense is they are 82nd in the country allowing 251 pass yards per game. And guess whose passing game even with Trey Harris having missed time Caden Prescorn having missed time. No Michael Trigg now on the team anymore. He's been dismissed, and he's missed the last couple of games. Zachary Franklin is just now getting back. So they've had a lot of guys missing time. But even with all that, guess who has the most yards per completion in the country? So is is one of the most explosive passing attacks in the country. That would be the Ole Miss Rebels. That is a bad recipe if you were LSU secondary. But winning this game would just mean that LSU is taking care of business. Okay, that's what it would mean. It would it, it would mean that hey, they're they're getting closer to being that elite level team. Okay, we know that they're elite as a program. What they've done in the past, but a team year in and year out, what their standard is since 2019. You look, it, it was up here, and then it's just fallen off. And then Ed Orgeron had his had his slip off for another couple of years. Now Brian Kelly comes. 
boom, first year SEC champion, championship bound. Now, can you follow that? Okay, the, the true measure of greatness is consistency, as a head coach once told me. So can LSU be consistent and win a game in which they are more talented along both of the lines of scrimmage? But that secondary is a glaring weakness. So LSU, to win this, they are going to have to get pressure on Jackson Dart. They're going to have to get home on Sacks and not let him have time to let things develop down the field. Ole Miss, this would mean that, hey, Lane Kiffin finally got a team up for a big game to win, especially at home. Okay, that Lane Kiffin was able to take down a top tier team in college football. Lane Kiffin doesn't have what you would call just a stamped signature win on his resume as a head coach. I can't I can't think of one that's a that's a monumental win. Um, he's he's had some good teams that have ended up winning, accumulating a lot of wins, but not against just an elite football team. And this is an opportunity for them to do so. Quinshaw Judkins come out came out this week and said, hey, LSU's front is bigger and stronger and more physical than, than Alabama's. Well, that doesn't bode well for you since Alabama's ate your lunch over there and y'all only had 56 yards rushing on the day, okay? So, Ole Miss, can you be more physical up front? Can you get this running game going? Ole Miss has had one run of 20 yards or more this season, and it didn't come from Quinshaw Judkins, okay? They've got to find a way to get him going. I know he's dealing with some health issues right now, but my goodness, when Ole Miss is at its best, it's when they're explosive in the run game. They're playing with tempo. They've got to be able to do that. Now, one thing that is interesting, okay, Trey Harris had surgery to clean up his knee after the two-lane game. He came back for the Alabama game, maybe even a little sooner than he should have. Caden Priestcorn came back from surgery to take on Alabama. Zachary Franklin, his first game off of surgery. All those guys were working their way in. It is possible when you're trying to work guys into an offense, trying to get some weapons going, that there could things could look bad in that first game, and they did, especially against a elite defense there in Alabama. But LSU's defense has not been elite this year, particularly in the secondary, okay? And now those guys have a game under their belt, so do they look a little bit better? But this would just mean that, hey, Ole Miss is taking that next step as a program. They're finally able to beat an elite team, okay, and, and beat a team that probably has a little bit more talent than them. So that would say something about the coaching staff, Lane Kiffin, Pete Golden, all those guys over there at Ole Miss. And like I said, for LSU, this would just mean taking care of business, really saying, okay, we are that elite team that that we believe we are and you know can move forward in that way. Now I want to talk about Vanderbilt and Missouri. Uh, for Missouri, this just, again, just like LSU, this is just taking care of business because you should beat Vanderbilt. You're more talented. You're playing better football right now. Got a better quarterback. Uh, got a, got a uh, coaching staff, I think, that is, is you know, making – changes better the way that they have progressed under Kirby Moore offensively with Eli Drinkwitz taking a step back I think is impressive offensively they, they're actually more, way more dynamic this year Brady Cook is playing out of his mind uh, Clark Lee and company are just finding it hard to be able to produce consistently on the offensive side of the ball uh, and I do think they're playing harder defensively they do have this one at home but for Vanderbilt this is just hey do you have any fight in you? That's what this one means. Do you have any fight in you? Can you can you come back and and do what you did last year? Win a game that you're not supposed to win, uh, like they did last year against Kentucky and against Florida. Now Missouri, 
They're looking for a five and zero start. They're looking to to have a undefeated record when LSU comes to town next week. So, can you handle uh, prosperity here? Can you show some maturity? Go in to Nashville, take care of business like you know you should if you're Missouri, and move on. I don't really have a whole lot more keys to this game. Vanderbilt's got to find some way to stop the run. They haven't been able to do so, and they got to stop not be able to turn the football over. They've been doing that at an alarming rate. If you're Mizzou, I think Missouri needs to show that they can continue to improve in their ability to run the football with Schrader, with Pete. Okay, uh, got to be got to be able to do that consistently, and then just get the ball to Luther Luther Burton early. Then make some plays. Uh, score some touchdowns and, and uh, get this one over the way it should be. I don't know why that line is that close. I think uh, definitely at least by 17 points or so, Missouri should take care of business in this ball game. I think they're markedly better than Vanderbilt. South Carolina and Tennessee, what this means for Tennessee, this means that, hey, you really are a good program now this wasn't just a good team you would be a good program if you take care of business the way you you should you've already fell flat of that expectation fell well short of that expectation against florida okay florida absolutely ate your lunch running the football south carolina is not going to be able to do that they have found a little bit of renewed success there in that area with mario anderson but it's still a modicum of consent of success it's not uh just overwhelming but spencer rattler can play some football and we know that that beamer and company have some things that they were able to scheme up last year against that defense that secondary was playing at a totally different level for uh tennessee last year not playing up to the standard that tim banks and william martinez and those guys over there on that that tennessee defensive staff expect but this would mean for tennessee that hey we not only can learn from mistakes, but we are a solid program where we can make adjustments, we can bounce back from adversity, and we can keep ourselves in the thick of an SEC East race because you lose this one and everything you're playing for is gone, okay? South Carolina, this would just mean, hey, that Shane Beamer continues to have magic if he's able to win this game, okay? I think that when you're South Carolina – Except in those spur years, South Carolina has always been viewed as kind of the the plucky underdog, the guys that, hey, yeah, they'll, they'll come and they'll play you uh, hard sometimes. But unless things really just bounce their way in terms of turnovers or something like that, they're, they're not going to be able to, to win a football game. They had everything going for them at Georgia, and they just didn't have the horses to finish it off. And Georgia just pummeled them in the second half, okay? Can they keep a sustained effort in a place that they have – not had success in in Neyland in a long time, okay? They have been – it's been a house of horrors for South Carolina over there, and they're going to have to find guys to step up around Spencer Rattler and Xavier Leggett, okay? They've got to have uh, guys step up. Does Trey Knox have a have a big game? Um, who at, who else at receivers? Amarheem Brown. Uh, Juice Wells is not going to be there. Does Nick Harbour get in here and make a big play? You know, you've got to find some consistency somewhere else other than Rattler and Leggett, even though they're playing tremendous. The offensive line, can you hold your water? Can you be disciplined when you have a kneeling crowd that is going to be going nuts and they're going to be communication is going to be a problem, you know, making sure you make adjustments on on protection, stuff like that. So it would 
the question for Shane Beamer and company is, are you ready to take that next step and win a big road game in the SEC? I'm excited to see both of those. South Carolina has to find some way to get just some kind of run game going so that they can keep that Tennessee pass rush from just pinning its ears back and coming after Spencer Rattler just all night. Just, I mean, absolutely coming uh, relentlessly after the quarterback of the Gamecocks. And Tennessee, hey, you know, got to prove that, that you can do things consistently. Can Joe Milton be accurate early? Can the wide receiver and the quarterback be on the same page early? Can they run the football with consistency, which they did not do against Florida very well at all? So they've, they've ran the football in other games well, but in Florida, in that ACC game, they didn't run the football well at all. So a lot of stuff to see here. Is Tennessee a good program? Is South Carolina ready to take the next step? And then for Alabama and Mississippi State, for Alabama, this is simply, okay, how many yards are we going to put up? Okay, because Mississippi State has given up a ton of passing yards in the last three games, okay? Every one of these games, they've been they've been just torched in the air. I believe 288 yards plus in the last three games. And Alabama needs to get right, get Jalen Milrow going, and making sure that, hey, getting confidence going in because it's going to get a lot harder after this. For Mississippi State, this would just show, hey, is Zach Garnett and this coaching staff able to make adjustments going forward? Um, they, you know, they, they struggled to find balance. Okay, one last game, it's all Will Rogers throwing for 487 yards, whatever he threw for, but no run game. The three games before that, they're running the football pretty good. Uh, they're not able to throw it a lick. Got to be good on third down. Got to find ways to take advantage of that home field crowd. But I think I think the Mississippi State fan base is just expecting be competitive in this game. I don't think I don't think that many of them, if you give them injected truth serum, are expecting them to win this football game. But can Zach Arnett and co- company get this team where they can be competitive? Alabama has absolutely just eaten Mississippi State's lunch over the last few years, and they have had no. The last time Mississippi State threw a touchdown pass against Alabama was 2014 with Dak Prescott. They have not thrown a touchdown pass against Alabama Crimson Tide in going on almost 10 years now, okay? So can you find some success through the air? Can you get some balance on offense? That's how Mississippi State would stay in the game. But Alabama, this is just, hey, go in there, continue to dominate defensively like you've been doing this year, and can that offense, especially Jalen Miller on the road, uh, continue to find some success and find some confidence through the air passing. So, guys, make sure you like, subscribe, Turn on notifications if you enjoy this content here on the Morning Report. I appreciate everybody being in the chat, talking it up. I appreciate all of you tuning in. Remember to check out Chomps in the description down there below. Get you a little discount on a snack there. We appreciate it. It helps us out. But like I said, like. Hit that like button. It's free. It helps us with the analytics. Also, subscribe because we have a ton of content here. We have a daily show every day. Tonight, I'm going to be live uh, 8.30 Eastern, 7.30 Central with Sean Marino, Tavares King on the players section here on Southeastern 14. You get a S- former SEC player's point of view on how the season's going so far. We'll do that live every Wednesday night. Friday, we have Jake 
Sports Takes on Southeastern 14 with Jake Crane of Crane and & Company and Daily Wire. And uh, there's just so much content here. It's ridiculous. We got some big things brewing here on Southeastern 14. So thank you guys for tuning in, and we will catch you next time right here to talk more SEC football on Southeastern 14. <laughs> 